Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. A quick scripture that I wanted to reference, because we've been in the last three weeks, we've been in a series called Loving Each Other. Loving Each Other. You know, and, 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 and today, I thought we were done. Like I actually announced last week, I think I said we're on the last week of this, and I was like, Lord, you know what? I think I'm just done with this. I got it. We got it. And then quick, like midweek, the Lord just brought me back to it and said, you know what, John? You're not done with this. There's still, there's still a few more pieces of fruit on the tree to be picked. Uh, and he just brought me to some more things that I want to cover. So we're going to wrap it up this week. I truly believe this will be the last week, but we're in the last week of our series, Loving Each Other. I came up to the stage getting ready to go up there to, you know, to do worship, and the Lord brought this Scripture to me. So first, if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 2. We'll start there. I'm just going to pray over the Word, and I want you to just join me. Join your faith with mine. Whoa, what, is, what just happened here? It's red. Okay. <laughs> Guys, I promise you, I'm not about to go into like a, you better turn or you're going to go to hell and the, the lights go red. Some dramatic effect. You know, the Lord brought me to this verse because what I'm teaching about, and I'm telling you right now, prepare yourself. I am not going to be getting deep, 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 deep into just the spiritual so deep and oh my gosh that's so profound it's going to be a very simple message today and i've honestly felt that way about most of this series like lord this is really simple fundamental abc things uh but it's so important the way that christians love each other is so extremely extremely important and in fact i truly believe that if jesus christ came and judged the american church today the thing that he would judge us on is the fact that we don't biblically love one another the way that he instructed us to in the Bible. Amen. You know, and I know, especially in our kind of circle, if you're, a, if you're a full gospel type person, we love the Holy Spirit, we love the gifts, we love all that stuff, you know, but we really have created a culture where we elevate the gifts and we elevate the experience and we elevate the let's run in the room and spin around six times and do 10 jumping jacks and that's great and wonderful. But when we leave this room, we don't actually carry Christian conduct and we don't give our lives to these basic things like Jesus taught us to love one another. So let me show you Revelation 2. Uh, look, look, what the, look what this says. Let's just start in verse 1 and we'll read through verse 4, I believe. So... Jesus is, if you know the book of Revelation, Jesus is giving this, this vision, this open vision to this man named John. And he's telling, write these things down. And John was going to go back and deliver the message. So he says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. So, you know, Jesus is giving this rebuke to the leader, or you could just say the church in Ephesus. This is the message 
From the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven lampstands. Look at verse 2. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. And I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles, but they're not. And you have discovered that they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So first, you know, Jesus does like... What every good leader does, you know, when they're going to give a correction, they kind of do a compliment sandwich. You got the compliment on top and then the correction in the middle and then another compliment on the bottom, a a nice little rebuke compliment sandwich. So he's telling them, guys, you're awesome. I see all your hard work. You're working so hard as a church and that's great. That's wonderful. That's amazing. But look at verse four. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from among its place among the other churches. Guys, I want you to kind of think about the reality of this. You know, again, as Christians, sometimes we prioritize other things. But Jesus was saying, if you guys don't get back to loving each other, you're actually going to find yourself stepping outside of my grace. You think about that. So this is, although this is elementary and fundamental things, I'm telling you, I just ask that you would open your heart and let the Holy Spirit show you, you know, none of us are too big to learn anything, show you how this can apply to our lives and how we need to change things in our own lives. So turn to Matthew 22. We've been laying this foundation for several weeks of of just basically proving, you know, the the fundamental thing. Jesus said that love isn't some less important kind of sub point of Christianity. It is literally the essence and the core of Christianity, loving God and loving each other as we love ourselves. Right. It's the main focus. So we've been talking about this. We, we talked about how love is actually the New Testament command. So as Christians, we're not underneath the law of Moses. You know, we don't have to look at Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all these rules and all these codes and this Jewish law that they were under, which there's still several sections of Christianity and, and denominations that do that. The Bible actually says in 1 John chapter 3, we're not underneath the law. We're actually underneath the law of Christ. Can you say the law of Christ? You ask yourself, what is the law of Christ? In 1 John chapter 3, we'll read it in a little while, but he literally says, this is the law of Christ, to believe unto the name of Jesus Christ. So what does God require of us as New Testament believers? Number one, we believe unto the name of Jesus Christ. And number two, that we love each other. That we love each other. And Jesus actually said, if you'll do these two things, if you'll believe and you'll love, you'll actually fulfill all of God's word by doing that with your life. So it's actually not some, you know, little thing that we should throw to the wayside. It should actually be the focus of every single one of our of our lives. How can I love the people that are in my circle? How can I love my brothers and sisters in the faith? So we talked about what is love. Right? Did anybody else have that? What is love, baby, don't hurt me. If I was really cheesy, I would have had that song just start playing right now. <clears throat> you know, love, love is an action. Can you say action? action? 
So love, although you can have feelings of love, love is not just a feeling. The Bible actually says that love is action. We'll cover that verse as well. But it said, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's actually prove it by our actions because we'll be proven right, not just by what we say, but by what we do. So love isn't just a card that you give somebody saying, I love you on Valentine's Day. You know, or you say something to make somebody feel good, or you just say it because you're feeling that emotion. Love is action. If there's no, let me say it this way. If there's no action behind what you say, then you're not actually loving that person. Because love without action is not even love at all. So, love is action. How are we supposed to love each other? We're supposed to actually put action behind what we say. And we covered this last week. We're not only called to love each other, but John 15, 12 says that we are actually to love each other as he loved us. I'm telling you guys that I don't know if that revelations hit you because I tried to teach it and I don't know if I did a great job, but I did it. Amen. I got to the end of it and said, Lord, okay, I did it. I did the best I could. But that hit me as I was reading through those verses, you know, a couple months ago. And the Lord just was convicting me about loving how I love people, how the conduct of my life, like the things that I focus on in my life. And I saw, okay, Lord, I need to love people. But then I came to John chapter uh, 15 and saw verse 12. Not only am I supposed to love people, I have to love people like Jesus loves people. And then all of a sudden I looked at my life and I said, well, shoot, God, if you would have asked me, John, are you loving people? I'd say, sure, I'm loving people, but I was loving them in my way, right? You know, you go and you kind of be a turd to somebody and you you know, punch them on the arm. That's just tough love. That's just the way I love, you know. We're not just called to do it our way, John's way, Tanner's way, Peggy Sue's way. We're called to love as Jesus loved. So I began to ask myself the question, how does Jesus love? And, and I went down that rabbit trail of looking at the scripture. How did Jesus deal with people? Loving your enemies. You know, the the things that he did. And I looked at my life in comparison and I said, Lord, I'm not loving people the way that you love people. So let's get into today. Love is action. We said love as he loved. And today we have to love each other. I want you to look at this. Matthew 22, 35 through 40. So it says, When the Pharisees heard, this is verse 34 actually. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together and questioned him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Verse 37, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is is equally as important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I just think that that's crazy. Here's a little nugget. It's just as important to God that you love other people as it is that you love Him. Because most Christians, they'll actually say this out of their mouth. Oh, I love the Lord, but I just don't like people. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I love God. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. But when it comes to people, you know, I just really can't stand people. It's actually just as important to God that you love other people as it is that you love him. The second is just as equally important that you are to love as you love yourself. I want to break this down first. Turn over to Galatians 5. This is another verse. 
to see that this is the same message all throughout the Bible. It's not me cherry picking anything. This is what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, 14 through 15. He said, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, just like we were just talking about. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So the Lord, I began to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, I want to love people, but how do I do that? What does that actually look like? And he said, not only do you love people, you have to love them like you love yourself. So today, let's break some of this down. What does it mean to love somebody like you love yourself? I've been asking myself this question all week. Lord, what does it truly mean? Not just say, brother, I love you. God bless you. Praying for you. You know, and I go on about my own way. What does it mean to actually come into contact with this person's life and love them like I love my own self? What does that really look like? I took a poll. I asked my wife. You know, I said, just off the top of your head, what do you think that that looks like to love somebody like you love yourself? And so we broke this down into a few points. Write this down for point number one. How can I love people like I love myself? What does that practically look like? It means do for others what you would do for yourself. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to 1 John chapter 3. Do for others as you would do for yourself. Let me ask you a question. If you're hungry, do you eat? Right? Yeah. You're probably hungry right now. You're probably looking at your watch thinking, man, I hope this skinny white dude gets done because I'm going to go eat. I'm hungry. If you're hungry, do you eat? Yeah. If you need something from the store, do you get it? You ever just needed something? You run to Brookshire Brothers, right? I was, I was leaving the church the other night. My wife needed me to go pick up. What did you need me to get? Some wolf, cher- wolf chili and panini noodles, right? Panay noodles. Oh, panini, panay. What's a panini? Is that like a, a baked sandwich? Or, is that what that is? Like a grilled sandwich. Okay, so it is a word. I didn't make it up. Yeah, she had me run to the store. She texted me and said, honey, I need you to run to the store. When you need something, you get it. When you're hungry, you eat. So think about this. Loving another person is that you come into their life and that their needs are equally as important as your own. What if a Christian looked at his church and said, just as it's important that my kids are fed, just like I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to move things around and make sure that my kids eat, make sure that my family's taken care of, I'm not going to let anybody in my circle, anybody in my church, go without eating, go without their needs being taken care of. Guys, I'm telling you, most people when they hear that, they think that's just absolutely absurd. Because we really do, in a lot of ways, we live selfish lives, and it's become the normal thing to do. So loving another person as you love yourself, number one, it's doing for others what you would do for yourself. 1 John 3.14 If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Guys, can I tell you something? 
It's actually impossible to truly follow Christ and to not love other people. Can I go so far to say I'm not the judge? I'm not going to stand at judgment day and judge you. Thank God I'm not because I'd be horrible. I'm not fit to judge another person. But can I go so far as to say that if, you, if we aren't loving other people, we truly aren't following Christ. Like if we say I'm following Christ, but in our action, like we're selfish in our action, we just we're self-consumed. We only think about ourselves. Something's not right according to the Bible. Are you with me? Isn't that what that just said? We'll read it again. He said, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But if a person has no love, that person is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Am I trying to tell you that God won't forgive you if you struggle with hatred? No. It says that you don't have eternal life within you. That, what does that mean? What, how are you saved? You have to receive God's grace. You have to receive God's mercy. That's how you receive salvation. So the Bible is saying that if you're a person that hates another person, it actually proves that you yourself have not truly, truly received God's grace and mercy, or at least you haven't gotten a revelation of it. Because it's actually impossible to get a revelation for yourself of what God has saved you from, of the mercy that He's shown you and He's shown me, and still go on hating another person. It's impossible. Are you with me? So it says it proves that you're really a murderer at heart and you know murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is. So guys, we don't even have to speculate. The Bible tells us this is what real love is. I just love how simple this is. Jesus said, love the Lord. He said, love others as you love yourself. And then he tells us in the Bible exactly what that looks like. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for ours. So just as Jesus gave up his life for ours, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and for our sisters. Can you say sacrifice? sacrifice. What does loving another person like you love yourself actually look like? It looks like sacrifice. Sacrifice. Me and Carissa were talking. I asked her. I said, honey, what do you think true love like looks like? And she said the first thing that came to my mind because of the issue that we're going through right now, she said all of the people in Afghanistan, all of the soldiers that are fighting, risking their lives for our freedom. You know, the, truly, that is an action of love. It's an action of love for country. It's an action of love for man. It, it's, it's, they're sacrificing their lives. So it can benefit somebody else. So true love, if you want to write something down, you can write this down. True love is laying down something for another person. So if all you do is tell that person, hey, I love you, I love you, praying for you, brother. Hey, I'm with you, brother. I'm here for you. If all you're ever doing is saying that, but there never comes a point in your life where you actually lay something down for that person. You're not walking in true love according to the Word of God. 
So true love is laying down something for another person. In Christ's case, it was his life. You know, I want to do something this morning. But I mean, guys, I just want that to resonate for a moment. Verse 19, where it says, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. I'm sorry, verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up ourselves for our brothers and for our sisters. You know what that really means? I mean, think about this. That means there's no line. There's no line. And and we have lines, right? We always like, we kind of draw the line in the sand and we say, well, I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to take care of my own. I'm going to put consideration behind my family. And you know what? I'll help at arm's length until, until there, but there is a line that I just have to, you know what? No. And then, and we just kind of stay inclusive and, and self-focused the same way that Jesus sacrificed his life. It says that we should actually all get to the point where we lay our lives down for one another. What does that really look like? There's nothing that I have that belongs to me. And there's nothing that I have that I wouldn't do or give to my brother or to my sister. I know that sounds crazy and revolutionary, but it's what the Bible says. I made this statement last last week. Don't keep someone in prayer when you have the ability to be an answer to that prayer. Let's keep reading, though, and then it'll make, this point will make a little bit more sense. So it says, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Look at verse 17. What is it talking about? Is it just metaphorically, you know, you should be willing? No, he literally says he gives practical application. What does this practically look like? In verse 17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we'll be confident when we stand before God. So basically what the Bible is saying is that statement right there. Don't keep someone in prayer when you have the ability to be an answer to that prayer. When you see a brother or sister in need, say physical need. Guys, and I know we do need friends that comfort us. We do need friends that pray for us. But let's let's just be real. Jesus said where a person's treasure is there, their heart will also be. You're like, I'll pray for you all day long. But if it comes to me actually having to fork out money for something right to help somebody, that's the line. That's the line that we're talking about. So. But that's like Christians are the worst at that, right? Somebody has a need in the household of faith, in the family of faith. And and what we'll do is, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for provision in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for meeting this need in the mighty name of Jesus. While we're sitting over here, you know, we, we have enough to live a good life. What do you think God is going to do? How is he going to answer that prayer? 
Let me just give you a practical illustration here, and then we'll move on from this. So, let me ask this. Is there anybody in this room that you would say, you don't have to give, uh, elaborate, but you would say, you know what, I've actually been believing God for a financial blessing. Raise your hand. Is, that, is there anybody in this room? We have a, a couple. One, two. Anybody else? So, let me show you what this looks like. Let me flip the Bible back open. So what the Bible says, this is what Christians do. You know, Ms. Brooke, you said you did. This is what Christians do. They'll walk up and they'll say, oh, Ms. Brooke, you, you know, you have a financial need. Okay, and you know, we're sitting here and we're looking at this and we say, well, you know, my bills are paid. I have food. You know, I have clothes. I have everything that I need. You know, you're, you're sitting here, you're looking at this and you, you have this in your hand and you're thinking, well, could I use this for somebody else? Or could I use this for something else in my life? Right? Isn't there something that I saw on Amazon one time? Isn't there something I saw at Walmart that I would really like to have? You know, wouldn't I like to have just a little bit nicer car? Maybe, you know, I could use a few hundred dollars a month to make a bigger car payment. And then a brother or sister who's fallen, you know, in a, in a, in a place where they have a physical or financial need in their life. And, and you see them. Let me ask you, is this love? You know what, Father? We're going to pray right now in Jesus name for Miss Brooke. We just ask you to bring the provision to her in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Is that true love according to the Bible? No, that's not true love because we look at this and we say, you know, OK, you know, I'm going to keep this and I'm going to pray for you. What does the answer to that prayer actually look like? The answer of that prayer actually looks like God's eyes beginning to roam across the earth, looking for somebody that would hold this up and say, Lord, I'm your servant and everything that you've given me belongs to you anyways. So I'm just going to be a funnel and I'll put it wherever you want me to put it. I'm going to help those that are in need. What true love actually looks like is taking this and saying, you know what? I'm not going to just pray for you. I'm going to get down and bear the burden with you and take something that belongs to me and give it to somebody else for the benefit of their life. Amen. Who else raised their hand? Miss Lynette. God bless you. Here you go. This is from the church. Hallelujah. Y'all lighten up a little bit. I, was, I wasn't wanting that to be intense. I was wanting that to be less intense. <laughs> True love is actually laying something down. How can you look at another person, the Bible says, when they're in need and you have plenty and you say, God bless you, praying for you, keeping you in prayer, and you do nothing about it. That's not true love according to the Bible. So can we think back to Revelation chapter 2 where Jesus said, guys, you know what? You're spiritually gifted. You preach great sermons and you show up to church every single week. But I have this one thing against you. You don't actually love me and you don't actually love other people. Love is action. Love is sacrifice. Love is taking something that costs you and giving it for the benefit of another person. Y'all with me? 
Hallelujah. Turn to James chapter 2, 14 through 20. Can I also give you a little nugget about it? When you do it, obviously I did that publicly for an illustration. That's from our church. That's from everybody. That's, that's from the church fund. But don't be, you know, I see people all the time. They'll go and help a homeless person before they're done. You know, they're like, turn around. Let's take a selfie together and, you know, post it on Instagram. And you don't have to humiliate other people to be generous and to be loving. Amen. Do it before the Lord. Just be quiet. Do it before God. God will bless you for doing it. I know now everybody's like, shoot, when he said, is anybody believing for a financial blessing? They're like, man, I should have raised my hand. James chapter 2, 14 through 20, it says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can you say actions? It says, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or no clothing. Guys, I love how practical the Bible says Christianity is. It's not just some spiritual book. It's doing practical things every day to help other people. Suppose your brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm, eat well, praying for you. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So just like faith, it says faith is expressed in action. The, thing, the same thing is true about love. Love is not just a feeling. Love is action. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, and that's what it really means to love another person as you love yourself. It's genuine. I'll just say this one more time. We're going to move on to the next point. It's getting down with somebody and looking at them and saying, you know what? Is it, is it inconvenient for me? Sometimes it is. You know, love isn't always convenient. You know, giving to somebody isn't always convenient. You may, does this cost me something? Yes. Can I tell you? Did it cost Jesus something for our salvation? It did. Is it inconvenient sometimes? Yes. Does it cost you something? Yes. But it's actually living a life where you, where you, where you take your eyes off of this narrow path and you begin to look at other people and say, how can I actually contribute to your life and make your needs just as important as my own needs? Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, honestly, I have a vision for this. What would it look like? People that are hopeless, people that don't know Jesus, they come to our church and they know, you know, if, if we come to this church, there's people that love people so much in here that there's not going to be one kid that comes to this church that doesn't get their school clothes paid for. There's not going to be one kid that comes to this church that doesn't, you know, isn't able to eat lunch because their families can't afford it. And that doesn't just mean like the church are always doing that. That means Christians actually being intentional to look outside of their own lives and sacrifice something for the benefit of another person. Hallelujah. What, let's look at number two. What does it mean to love another person as you love yourself? 
Write this down. It means going out of your way to take an interest in other people's lives. You know, I've noticed this. It's really true. Most people only want to go to something if it's their something. You know what I mean? Most people, I mean, and I love them to death, but they only want to show up. Like, whenever it's their thing, they want everybody to show up. But when it's somebody else's thing, they're like, I, ain't, I don't show up to nothing. They only want to go to something when it's their something. Can I just get this practical for you? What does it mean to be a Christian and to really love people? Show up for other people. Yeah, right. Amen. Show up for other people. You know, there's so many kids in our generation that need a father. They need a mother. They need somebody. They, they, they live in a, in a house where they're rejected. They're neglected. They're not loved. They're not wanted. Can I take the older generation something? The younger generation needs you. Don't ever let the devil lie to you and make you feel like you're being pushed out and you're unwanted, and you're unneeded, and you know, because I know sometimes we're young and we act that way, like I know it all, and, and you know, we have the superior, superior way. We need the older generation. But can I tell you something? What does this look like on a practical level? What does being a Christian in Huntington, Texas actually look like? Can I go so far as to say, it doesn't just mean come to church pray in tongues, and dance around and shout hallelujah, it actually may look like lifting your eyes up and saying, you know what? There's a kid that doesn't have a father, that doesn't have a mother, that needs somebody to love them. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start taking that kid to eat with my family to go eat lunch. I'm going to show up to that kid's basketball games and football games, and I'm actually going to live a life outside of myself and, and take an interest in another person's life that's not my own, or my own children's. This is practical Christianity. And I'm telling you, we live in a time right now where Christianity is all spiritual and there's no action behind any of it. I love, let me say this one more time, I love the Holy Spirit and I love how He moves and I love how He touches us, but I would actually rather be a church. And I want to say this too. You don't have to pick or choose. You can have both. But I would actually rather be a church filled with Christians that love one another than just a, the Christians that came together and had some kind of spiritual experience and then went outside these doors and lived a selfish life. But you don't have to pick or choose. You can have both. Hallelujah. So write this point down. Here's how I want to challenge you. Live a life that is bigger than yourself. You can say, well, what does that look like? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. How can you live a life that's bigger than yourself? Outside of your own routine and, and hopes and dreams and wants. Live a life that's bigger than yourself. Go out of your way to invest in other people's lives. Guys, this is about to get real spiritual and revolutionary. You ready for number three? But number three, how can I love people like I love myself? Look at this one. Treat others like you would like to be treated. Yeah. Wow, you know what? I know that's something that we teach our five-year-olds, right, when they're going to kindergarten. I have to tell my daughter all the time. Y'all, I'm telling you, I'm not one of those parents that think my little daughter's just like, 
the princess and her poop don't stink and she can't do nothing wrong. You ever met parents like that? I tell Ember all the time, she's like, she hangs out with older kids so much that she really doesn't know how to talk to little kids. Because she constantly hangs out with 15 year olds. And I always have to rebuke our core because our youth kids, because every time I get around them, I'm like, guys, it's like a never ending episode of The Office hanging around you guys all the time. You're so stinking sarcastic. You need to be kind and love one another a little bit. So my daughter's always hanging around them. And, and so I, I hear her talking to little kids and she'll just start screaming at them, you know. She's like, I want to go play. And they're like, oh, I'm going over here. She'll stand there. No, you, you know, I'm like, Kimberly, you've got to stop talking to people like that. You're not going to have any friends. And I'm not going to feel bad for you. I wouldn't want to be your friend if you talked to me like that and I was three years old. You'd freak me out. Stop acting like that. So it's not just some little rule that we, I'm telling you guys, it's elementary, but there's a lot of adults that could also learn this lesson. Treat people like you want to be treated. Can we be humble a little bit? You know, there's, there's certain people that will treat good because we want something from them. You know, the Bible actually speaks against that. If you go to work and your boss walks in and you act like a completely different person and now you're respectful and now, you know what, now I'm going to yes sir, no sir, but then the person that's two ranks lower than you comes in and you're constantly picking on them and wailing on them and being a jerk to them, you know, and you'll like knock something in the floor and you're like, hey, pick that up. You know, I'm telling you right now, that's not right. The Bible speaks against doing that. Treat other people like you want to be treated. And I'm going to tell you, this is, this is funny as well. This is not a principle that Elmo taught people in the 1980s on Sesame Street. Jesus actually said this in Matthew 7.12. He said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. What did Jesus say? What was he saying? If you want people to be nice to you, be nice to other people. You know what? Maybe you're just hardcore and you're like, well, I don't care if people are nice to me. You know, I like it. Well, God wants you to be nice. So be nice to other people. Amen. Well, and I'll say this. If, if that's true, you're like, you know what? I'm a jerk and I own it and I want people to be a jerk to me. Well, God bless you. You're going to get exactly what you asked for. In Jesus' name. So he said that. He said, do to others what you would like them to do to you. Guys, husbands, can I ask you a question? Let's just break this practically down, even in marriages. Honey, I repent. You were right this morning. I love you. Okay, let's cover this point. Husbands, do you want to be talked disrespectfully to by your wives? Any husband say, you know, I just love it when my wife disrespects me. Makes me feel so good. Nobody would say that. I'm telling you, as a man, it drives you crazy. Like a man, that's what a man wants is to be respected. So can I tell you what the Bible says? If you don't want to be talked to disrespectfully, don't talk disrespectful to your wife. Wives, do you want to be loved by your husband? Yeah, you want to be loved by your husband. Well, can I tell you? If you want to be loved by your husband, then you have to love your husbands first. Do to other people what you would have them do to you. If you're an employee, employees, let me just say this. 
Don't be the employee that your boss deserves. Be the employee that you would want working for you. Man, I just really don't do that good of a job. But you know what? Let me tell you why. I, I wrote out a list of 15 reasons why I'm a jerk at work and why I don't do my job. And you know what? Here's a crazy thought. Actually go out of your way to be something that they don't deserve. Don't be the employee that that person deserves. Be the employee that you would want working for you if you ran your own company. Yeah. Amen. So here's my point. Don't give people what they deserve. Sow seed for your life by giving what you want. That's what Galatians chapter 6 says. Let's go ahead and turn there real quick. I'm almost done this morning. Galatians chapter 6. This is what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. That's in verse 7. Those who live to only satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Say everyone. And especially those in the family of faith. Guys, I'm going to tell you, if you want to be like God, God is in the business of giving people what they don't deserve. Because we deserve hell. We deserve the curse. We deserve death. But God gives us mercy, unending mercy. God gives us forgiveness. God gives us grace. God gives us blessing. God, that's actually what grace is, is God giving us something that we absolutely 100% don't deserve. So I'm telling you, if you want to love other people like you love yourself, like the Bible tells us to love, don't be what other people deserve. Sow into their life what you want reciprocated back to you. Are you with me? Look at my last point for how to love other people this morning. And then I want to give you a, fi a final thought. What does it mean to truly love others like you love yourself? Loving others like you love yourself means laughing, crying, rejoicing, and mourning. What do I mean by that? Look at Romans 12, 14 through 15. Give you a second to write that down. Loving others like you love yourself. It, what does it mean? Sometimes, sometimes it means laughing. What does it mean? Sometimes it means crying. Sometimes it means rejoicing. Sometimes it means mourning. Romans 12, 14 through 15. Paul said, bless those that persecute you and don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with, look at this, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those that weep. What does this look like in the church? I'm just going to break it down. This is real practical. That means, guys, it means coming into contact with another person's life and celebrating their life with them. Yeah. Right? When somebody gets promoted, when somebody gets a raise, when somebody gets ahead in life, we don't sit back as Christians and judge them and, and complain against them and talk. You know, we're going to get right there in their life and congratulate them 
and, and congratulate their successes and do everything that we can to just, you know, can you imagine if you hooked your life into somebody and said, I'm going to do everything I can just to lift this person up, to lift this person up. If you do that, God will send somebody into your life that that's what they do is just spend their life lifting you up, just rejoicing when you rejoice. So sometimes it looks like laughing. Sometimes it looks like crying. Sometimes it looks like mourning. What do I mean by that? Well, brother, I just had a death in the family. You know what? We'll be we'll put you on the prayer chain. God bless you. And then we go on about our own lives. What does it truly mean to show Christian love to one another? It means I'm getting down in this situation, getting down in the muck of it, in the, in the thickness of it and saying, you know what? Let's talk about this. What can I what can I do? Can I come to your house and do the dishes for you? You need some laundry done? You need some meals made. It's not just putting somebody on a prayer chain. It literally means embracing their situation. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens. What does that mean? That somebody is carrying this yoke that's on their back, this big, you know, heavy thing that's on their back. And you come alongside them and you don't just, hey, I'll pray for you, brother. Amen. You're doing great. You actually get beside them and you pick up the weight and you put it on your shoulders and you walk with them through the situation. That's what it really means to love another person like you love yourself. So, guys, I've been giving you for three weeks. I've been giving you problems with no solution. That's why the Lord brought me back to this message. Because the Lord's like, John, you've been telling them what love looks like, how they can love, but we're missing one critical piece, one critical ingredient in this equation. And that's this. Write this down. This type of love comes from the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, stay in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read 16 through 26. So I'm saying some things that I'm telling you guys, it is a, it's, sometimes it's offensive. Sometimes you're listening to this, right? And you, you saw me give somebody, two people, $100 a piece, and you're sitting there thinking, oh, you know what, I just don't like that. Can I tell you, your flesh will never like that. Whenever you talk, when you think about sacrificing and giving and actually stepping outside of your own life to get involved with another person and give yourself to this person completely, that's not something that you can actually do in your own flesh. What do I mean by that? If you just simply wait around until you feel like it, you'll never do it because let me tell you something, you're never going to feel like it. You know what? I know that I should do that, but why don't you do it? I don't know. I just, I'm, just, I'm just not feeling it. Can I tell you? Your flesh will never feel it. I'll prove it to you in Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26. Look what, look what Paul said. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. So what does the Bible say? First off, let's just break this down. That, that there's, these, there's this fight that's going on that we're going to read about in just a moment. You have this flesh that doesn't want to love people that doesn't want to serve God, that wants to text it, you know, at, at 10, 15 and say, I was tired and I didn't want to go to church. I understand your flesh never wants to. But there's two different forces in your life. Right. 
So he says, he says this, the flesh wants to do the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Look at this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under, under the obligation of the law of Moses. Let me just stop right there for a moment. So the Bible says there's constantly this war. Your flesh is wanting to do this. Your spirit is in line with the Word of God, and it's wanting you to, do the, to, to walk in fulfillment of God's Word. So what do I do? Do I just live my life based off how I feel that day? He says, you're not free to carry out your own intentions. Well, you know what, Brother John? I just really didn't feel like it. Can I tell you? You'll never feel like it. You'll nev you never will because your feeling is your flesh. Your spirit has nothing to do with your feelings. So he says, there's this war that's going on. That's why I say, let the spirit guide your life in everything that you do. Let's keep reading and then I'm going to close the service out. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And this is just a little nugget for you to tuck away. Because you could ask yourself the question, well, how do I, you know, how do I know whether I'm following my flesh or, or following my spirit? Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. So look at this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality. So if what you're doing is what the Bible classifies as sexually immoral, you're not being led by your spirit. You're being led by your flesh. Right. Look at your situation and say, is it, is it sexually immoral? Is there impurity in it? Is there lustful pleasure in it? Is there idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Think about our own lives, our own marriages. Am I being jealous? Am I being hostile? Am I outbursting in anger? If I'm doing that, I'm not walking in the Spirit. I'm walking in my flesh. Selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is what I want you to see. Say love. Love, love is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So my point was this. This type of love comes from the Holy Spirit. This isn't something that you just make a list. And you know what? You're like, okay, I'm going to spend my life just checking it off. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to burn out. You're going to get frustrated. This isn't something you just do in your own effort and your own strength. You have to get born again and receive the Holy Spirit and begin to cultivate the Spirit that's inside of you and follow the leading of the Spirit in your life. And what will it do? It will actually produce love in you. What does that mean? I'm not just a person that's walking around trying to love you know, other people. You become a person that genuinely from your heart loves other people. So you spend your life doing actions of loving other people. Are you all with me? You know, the problem with most Christians is they're trying to do life without the Holy Spirit. 
And then they, what happens? They get burnt out. They get tired. They get you know, discouraged. Whatever you want to say. You cannot do life without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, guys. Let me pray for you. Again, this may have been some fundamental things that you've heard a thousand times in your life, but at least if we embrace it as a church, when we stand before Jesus Christ as a church, maybe He won't say, hey, you guys didn't love one another, right? We said, we heard that one, Lord, okay. Let's just pray a simple prayer this morning. And I want to say this. Jesus, He's in heaven. He said, I go so that I can send one that will be with you always. He's talking about the advocate, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's present here. Just like Jesus in his human flesh was here and he walked with his disciples, he went away so that the Spirit could come and dwell in all of us. So let's ask the Lord, right? Not Lord, will you just speak to me? Will you just give me a word? Will you just give me a sign in the clouds? You have the Holy Spirit. So let's ask the Holy Spirit how to apply this message. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. And I want you to get out of your head. I'm about to let you go. I know you're thinking, well, I'm ready to go eat, and we've been sitting here for a long time. Can I just ask you, please, get out of that thought for just a moment. Get out of this thing. Tune out of this thing. Who cares who's fighting tonight? Jake Paul's going to get his butt whooped. Nobody cares. Who cares who's playing the football game? And just get out of here and li listen to your spirit. I believe that God's going to show you people that He's put in your path that you're supposed to, you know what, Lord? I'm going to give to this person. I'm going to bless this person. I'm going to be an answer to this person's prayer. The Lord's going to show you people. The Lord's going to show you things that need to be moved around in your life to, to carry out this command to love one another. So Lord, we ask for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Open our hearts. Give us eyes to see. Speak to us clearly by the Holy Spirit. And lead us, Lord. Let us be led by the Spirit in every single part of our life. And if we do that, we won't have to live by a Christian code, a, a rule book. We'll just be led by your Spirit and we'll love you and we'll love other people. And by doing that, we'll walk in fulfillment of this Word and we'll accomplish our purpose on this earth. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to pray a blessing over every person that came to church this morning. I decree them blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Their households blessed. Families blessed. Marriages blessed. Your hand comes upon them. By your grace, Lord, not by our works. By your grace, you have blessed them. Let them experience that blessing this week in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I love you guys again. I want to just encourage you, don't run off. We're going to baptize a couple of people, but hug somebody's neck and you're dismissed. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, Go to www.nbchuntington.org slash donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, 
Use dollar sign capital N-B-C-H-T-X 20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.